and welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd be hit with retino malaysia if I saw that you missed this week's show. Your corporate funding. In the boardroom playbook, Lori Zas Kraska gives you step-by-step strategies and healthy doses of encouragement to improve your corporate funding process so you increase support and sponsorships. She's with us to talk about her book. On Tony's Take Two, I'm wishing you well. We're sponsored by Turn Two Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission, turn-2.co. It's a genuine pleasure to welcome Lori Zas Kraska to the show. She's author of the book, The Boardroom Playbook, A Not-So-Ordinary Guide to Corporate Funding for Your Purpose-Driven Organization. She's got over 22 years expertise in revenue generation management, corporate sponsorship support, corporate cause marketing, fundraising, corporate social responsibility, and more. She's held key leadership and corporate sponsorship positions in organizations like PBS, NPR local stations, Clear Channel, University of Phoenix, Midwest campuses, and CitySearch.com. Her company is The Growth Owl. She's at Zas Kraska, and the company is at TheGrowthOwl.com. Welcome, Wise Owl. Well, thank you, Tony. It is my pleasure to be here, and thank you for that beautiful introduction. Oh well, I based it on what you sent me. Uh, it's all it's all true, and keep it keep it factual. Um, That's right. I'm glad to have the wise owl, the growth owl, with us. With That's yes. right. Thank you. And you're uh, you're in the Cleveland, Ohio area. I am. I'm in the Cleveland, Ohio area, but I work with clients across the country. I I know Cleveland uh, for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes, probably one of the most popular attractions when people come to Cleveland. It's definitely a, a not miss when you come. I imagine uh, it's on my list. I haven't been there yet, but uh, have you been? Do you go? You bring oh, friends, or yeah, you've been absolutely. There? Yeah, most friends who want to come to Cleveland first ask about the Rock Hall, so it's it's a definite visit site. <laughs> okay, you, you've heard this before. The Rock Hall. That's the insiders call it the Rock Hall. The Rock Hall. We call it the Rock Hall. That's right. Okay. All right. I want to be. <laughs> I want to be a Cleveland insider. Too. All right. All right. You got it. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, the boardroom playbook and yeah. uh, corporate funding. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I gather you feel that uh, nonprofits are not strategic enough in, in their corporate funding work. You know, it's been my experience that nonprofits do really, really well in individual giving, planned giving, um, other types of giving, but where sometimes something gets overlooked, I've just noticed it tends to be in that corporate giving area. And I've, I personally see one of two things. Either there hasn't been much attention to it, or they've put somebody to oversee it that maybe is really in charge of something else, like planned giving or membership or individual giving. And they've added a corporate support function. And it's kind of like, wow, this is 
something that you've just added to my <laughs> responsibilities. That's totally different than traditional types of fundraising. So I do see that there is a need to talk specifically about how corporate sponsorship and corporate funding works because it is very different than other types of fundraising. And you've been on both sides. You've you've been on the sponsorship side for like PBS and, and yeah. PR stations. Yeah, Clear so Channel. I mean, those sides. are huge. Clear Channel. Those are all big yeah. names. Those are marquee names. Yeah. Yeah. It puts me in a very unique position. I've been on the client side. I've been on the funder side. I've also been on the side that, you know, is looking for the funding. So I've got a great perspective. <laughs> I agree. So let's, uh, let's, let's, let's pick your brain. Uh, yeah. You have, uh, you have this um, uh, sort of little paradigm, me, me, mo. Yeah, Mimi Mo. <laughs> yeah, explain uh, explain Mimi Mo. Of course, we're going to have plenty of time to go into detail. So, but just yeah, give us the yeah. high level Mimi Mo. So, for years, people have asked me, "What's your process? You know, what makes you different? What have you?" So, I like to say, I just work with Mimi Mo. And to me, an effective fundraiser, whether it be for corporate or other types of fundraising, is aligning your mental, your message, and your motion. And that motion being the activity to get the things done, to get that funding. So putting all of those three together in alignment, making sure your head is in check, your messaging is in check, and the activities are in check will be kind of the secret sauce to your success. So my book is broken out into Mimi Mo and, you know, really taking a look at how can you really capitalize on the areas that you have strengths, but also work on those areas where maybe... You don't have as many strengths. And you have a very, you know, a lot, lot of step-by-step, -step, I mean, very clear, do these five things to do that, to get this, yeah. and to, to overcome your anxieties. Uh, yeah. Which, uh, which we'll get to, the, we'll get yeah. to your uh, periwinkle zombies, you know, to overcome these yeah. things. Yes. Uh, you know, do these five things. So, you know, it's very, uh, it's very strategic. It's very, it's a very, it's a very easy read. It's a very good read. I appreciate that. And it was purposely written that way because I know a lot of business books and other books, quite frankly, can be kind of overwhelming. And I really wanted this to be practical, that you walked away from it, at least taking a few good nuggets that you can implement right after you put the book down. So let's talk about the mental. And uh, of course, you have to acquaint us with your, your periwinkle zombies. Ah, yes. So periwinkle zombies, if you if you read in my book, you'll you'll see the setup I have is I love horror movies. You know, give me a good Freddy, Jason, what have you, a good haunted house. But what freaks me out are zombies. Just don't like them. They just freak me out. So when I think about how your thoughts can overtake you when you get anxious about something. It could be anxious about going into a meeting to ask for a lot of money. It could be having anxiety about, well, gee, how much money should I ask for? And then things like imposter syndrome or basic anything that's in your head that's preventing you from doing what you need to do. I also like to say there are people in your life that can sometimes be periwinkle zombies that, um, you know, maybe they're they're trying to do it out of out of a good nature from a good place, but they can impede on your progress. So it's very important early on in that mental stage that you recognize what those periwinkle zombies are that could prevent you from kind of being the best fundraiser you can be. Uh, and they're periwinkle because periwinkle is a, a pretty color, a kind of a soft violet. But these things uh, may uh, they come in they come in a nice shape sometimes. Correct. But they, but they are uh, insidious, like like zombies are. 
That's exactly right, Tony. So sometimes those anxieties or, or sometimes when you question yourself, you think it actually might be helping you, but in actuality, it's hurting you. And that's where the periwinkle, you know, comes into play. You know, at first it looks it looks good, <laughs> but actually it is kind of impeding your process. So you want to watch for those zombies in your life, whether they're mental or actually, you know, in your sphere. And I talk about in my book, you know, I had a client that had a director of development that um, maybe unconsciously was being kind of a periwinkle zombie to the executive director and the executive director really wanted to do more with fundraising and the director of development said, well, you know, you just kind of stay in your lane. Yeah. So, right. you know, you got to look out for those things. Right. As if she, the, uh, the fundraiser was portraying it as helpful. You know, there, there are things that yes. only you can do. So you should right. devote your time to those things. Correct. Leave these more mundane things that any schmo like me can handle. You know, I, not that she was self-deprecating like that, right, but right. it was yeah. it was altruistic in uh, in appearance. That's but right. She was uh, she was a zombie in uh, sheep's clothing. That's right. Rationally, it makes sense in the conversation. Well, maybe she's right, but at the end of the day, it's impeding your growth. Anytime you want to get educated or learn to do something more within your career, that is not a bad thing. So, if a zombie is attacking you in that way, periwinkle zombie, you definitely have to tear it down. <laughs> yes, as uh, as frightful as it may be. That's right. Uh, well, thankfully, that executive director had you working with her. Yes. Um, so, if you love horror movies, you'll appreciate that I've been I've been on the uh, not on the set, but I've been to the place where Friday the Thirteenth, the original, with Kevin with Kevin yes. Bacon with the young Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Bacon. Yes, that was filmed. That was filmed at a Boy Scout camp. Really? In, nor in northern New Jersey. And I used to go to that camp. It's, it's called Camp Nobi Bosco. Nobi oh Bosco gosh. stood for North Bergen Boy Scouts. Wow. That Nobi is pretty Bosco. amazing. And there were the lodge. The lodges were there. The, the log cabins were were uh, places where you could stay. And then there was an administration building. And a, I don't know. I don't know if the dining. I think the dining hall is where the costumes were. So yeah. one time I went and there were a bunch of. They were they were in the midst of, of filming, so we saw a bunch of the masks and costumes. Oh, that's so amazing! I've been at the uh, at the little Boy Scout camp. You, you, it's, now you know that Friday the Thirteenth, the original, was filmed at a Boy Scout camp, and the and lake, of course, is right there. Is it Crystal Lake? Is it is <laughs> it Crystal Lake? Isn't yeah. it Camp Crystal Lake? Right. Well, the real name is Noby Bosco. Wow! But, uh, I've swam in that lake. I've I've rowed boats in that lake. And no Jason coming out from the water trying to attack you. Obviously. Jason, okay, so you're the expert. I wasn't sure it was Jason or Freddie. Okay, Freddie, what's the who's the Freddie? What show is his? Freddie is a nightmare on Elm Street. Elm Street, okay, thank yes, you. okay, yes. Uh, shout out one other. Okay, so we got Jason, Freddie. What's one more that you? Michael Myers from Halloween. Okay, thank you. All right, so you're proving definitely. Your, uh, my favorite is Michael Myers. Yes. Okay. You're yes. Obviously, proving your bona fides in uh, you're in horror films. You That's can right. The, <laughs> you, can, you know who these guys are. That's right. Is there ever a horror film with a woman? Uh, is there ever a woman uh, bad bad actor? In a, is there any horror film like that? That's a great question, and I'm sure there is. You're just putting me on the spot oh, right okay. now, and I can't. All right. I can't right. think well, about it. I guess you could, you know. If you think some of the 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 movies that came from the conjuring there's the nun there's the the female dolls that are kind of creepy annabelle 
um, those come to my mind. Okay, well, that works, Annabelle. Yeah. All right. So do you do, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, if you think of another uh, main character, you know, while yeah, we're talking. Yeah, I'll have to better research for another for, No, 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 <laughs> that's right. No, that's just off the top of my head. I, just, I was saying they're all guys. Well, I, okay. It's Not surprisingly. I, we'll, we'll, well, we'll keep the gender stereotypes uh, out of this. All right. There we go. <laughs> so, all right. So we got to stay away from the periwinkle zombies. Uh, they're, they're sometimes people and they're sometimes yeah. just in our own head. That's exactly right. Yes. All right. Mm -hmm. all right. Get away. You know, you don't that doubt and that fear overcome that okay what else what else uh mental wise you you tell a good story uh about a gentleman you met on an airplane paul yeah story of paul story. yeah you know that's that. since the book has come out i probably get more questions about paul and unfortunately i don't know what happened to paul because this this literally happened early in my career like almost 22 years well, ago you know enough you, you know enough to make it a very good story yeah so um you know basically i was on a flight from chicago to phoenix and i struck book of conversation with who is paul he was in his um in his 50s he just left his job in banking to just put all of his enthusiasm in the software startup and at the time i really didn't understand what the software is about i just got the gist this guy's really excited and he was excited because he had the opportunity to basically go to Phoenix and pitch a room of investors to invest in his business, kind of like Shark Tank before Shark Tank was a thing. And I thought, great. Well, you know, Paul um, found out we were going to be on the same return flight later in the week. So, I thought, you know, I, I can't wait to hear about your your big pitch and how it went. So it's a few days later. I'm walking in the airport on the concourse. Lo and behold, there's Paul at the bar and looking just really, really sad. So I approached him, I asked Paul how it went, and he said it didn't. And I said, what? <laughs> he said, I didn't go to the meeting. Mm. And I said, you didn't go to the meeting, what happened? He said, I just was so scared and paralyzed that they would not like my idea. It just wasn't worth it to go. And I stayed in my hotel room. Oh. And that stayed with me for years. And I always use that, even with my clients and with myself, if I feel any type of doubt, go to the meeting. Lori, you've got, you've got to go to the meeting. You, you can't do what Paul did. And, and Paul even said to me before you know we left that day, Lori, always go to the meeting. Don't do what I did. And again, here's me. I'm in my 20s. This is early in my career. And I'm looking at this guy that seemed so successful and so confident when we were on the flight together. It was a totally different person. and. This is somebody that created something in his head, a situation that wasn't even real. You know, he was anticipating he was going to get all of this pushback and they weren't going to like him. And the sad part was when I saw him, he was actually on a cell phone, the old flip phones back then. I'm sure you remember those, Tony. And uh, he I'm said not that, that old. No, yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I remember so before flip phones. even. I remember yeah, princess. I remember princess phones. Yes, yeah. me too. <laughs> oh, oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, I do. And he said, I was actually on the phone talking to my old uh, boss, getting my job back. Oh, yeah. It was heartbreaking. So, yeah. you know, I, I also end the book reminding people about Paul. And, you know, again, he sticks with me. And it's a, it's a great reminder that you can really allow yourself to create situations in your mind that really hijack the progress or hijack good things from coming in not only for your funding, but in your life, quite frankly. So yeah, yeah that's my story of Paul. 
I, I hope you didn't sit next to him on the way back, did you? Because that would be an awful long. We did not. No, we had flight. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> different seats. Okay. Right. That's a right. good question, though. <laughs> that would be a, that would be a tough flight home. Mm-hmm. It's time for a break. Turn to communications, the relationships, the relationships with media. We're talking today uh, with Lori about relationships with corporate funders. You need to have relationships with the folks in the media who you want to be responsive when there's something in the news that you need to comment on. You just have to be heard. Your voice needs to be part of the conversation around something whatever the news hook is, or just you want to get an op-ed in. It may not be uh, something that is based on a news hook, but something you feel strongly about, you need to be heard. This is all part of being a thought leader in your field. Turn to can set you up with relationships that can get you heard when you need to be and just when, uh, when you want to be. Nothing wrong with wanting to be heard. Turn to communications. Your story is their mission. Turn hyphen to dot co. Now back to your corporate funding. You you talk in a, in a few places about um, managing expectations. Oh yeah. Your own your organization. Let, let's let, let's get that out in, in the while we're talking about the the first me of the me me mo. Yeah. So I think managing expectations is really important. So let's start with managing expectations kind of in your own building. And, and we, could I have, talk- we could have, we could have Mimi Mamo. That's, oh yeah. Do, if you want to do mental message, manage expectations and, but then that's two words. It ruins your cadence, but. Right. You got right. it. You know, I'm not trying to mess up you. I don't want to mess up your mantra. All right. That's all right. I just thought of Mimi Mamo. All right, go ahead. So, so, you know, there's nothing worse than being in in a meeting with your CEO in in your C-suite, and they're asking you about updates on fundraising, on corporate support. And in previous meetings, maybe you were very, very excited about something, about about a potential funder coming on board, but they've gone kind of quiet. So you've got nothing else to report in that meeting. There's just nothing worse than that. You know, you do the round robin of reporting and it comes to you. You're like, oh, <laughs> do I have to talk about this again? So I think it's very important right away that whenever you're discussing expectations about a potential funder, especially a corporate funder, you keep your expectations based on facts and not feelings. And what I talk about in the book, I even give some sample uh, responses. So if you do have your CEO or your CFO asking about, well, how how do you think that's going to go? I mean, do you think we're going to get that money? Instead of saying something that's feelings based, like, you know, I went in there, I had a great pitch. I think we really connected really well. They'd be stupid not to want to fund us. You know, that's very feelings-based language. Instead, you want to focus on factual language. Now, we had the pitch two weeks ago. They said that they're going to need X amount of time. Uh, We do fit in their corporate social responsibility and corporate philanthropic goals in terms of their tenants for giving. So based on that, you know, the probabilities might be better than not. So there's a whole different feeling or feelings, the bad word. There's a, there's a whole different vibe that you're going to get when you're spending time talking about fact versus feelings. 
And that especially comes up, you know, if you don't get the funding or if if the funding tends to be elongated in terms of the decision and the CEO is getting a little, you know, impatient. Well, what's going on? You said this was going so well. What happened here? So instead of taking it personally and saying, I totally get what you're saying. I'm just as, you know, flabbergasted as you have you are that they haven't come back to us. I put a lot of work in that proposal. Yeah. That's the language you want to stay away from. You have to again focused just going back to the points of we did what they asked us to do and there's a process and we have to go through that process. So that is a great way to set expectations within the building. The other area of setting expectation is within something I call corporate depth perception. I talk about this in my book. You have to realize that corporations are dealing with thousands of different things. And no matter how important your funding is to you, it's not as important to the corporation. And you have to realize that, again, not taking it personally. And there are going to be times where, you know, sometimes it's just not a fit. There's, it's just not a fit, no matter how hard you try to get somebody's attention, it, it's just not a fit, or maybe the timing is off. But having the empathy, for lack of a better term, to understand what corporate decision makers are going through, it's going to give you, um, it's going to give you kind of a, a long way with somebody in, in the positive. You know, there, if, if you're able to say to someone, I realize you're literally looking at thousands maybe of proposals. And, you know, I'm just one of those. I just want to thank you for even the review. We appreciate that. That's music to a corporate decision maker's ears because they usually don't even hear anything like that. And just by reaching out and having that empathy, that corporate depth perception, you may have just moved your proposal from the bottom all the way up because people will always remember how you make them feel. And that's that's so important. Yeah, you made that you make that suggestion. Uh you know near near the end yes. as you're you're saying rather than saying thanks very much for your time yes you know be empathetic uh extend yourself a bit and maybe you yeah. say, and, and it's and it's your it's your last paragraph with them before you walk out the door so why not leave them with something much bigger than uh, you know everybody else's the ubiquitous thanks for your time exactly yeah any way you can make yourself stand out to help help them connect with you that you understand what they're going through in this process. That's huge. Anything else on the, uh, on the first me, the, uh, with the, the, memo, the first me of the me memo, the any yeah, memo, so mental you want to talk about? Yeah. I'm a really big believer in the self-fulfilling uh, prophecy. And we kind of hit that with Paul, but just in general, I really try to coach my clients and people that are reading this book you know, watch the language you're using about yourself. You know, oh, we're probably not going to get that. Well, you've already said it to yourself in your mind that you're not going to get that. Yeah. Also, watch when you're writing your proposals. If you're if you're not in a good frame of mind when you're writing a proposal for money, stop. <laughs> I really think it it comes through in the language. So that I, I think all, that's true. Of I think that's true mental. when you're writing when you're writing emails too. Absolutely. Whether whether it's to a corporate funder or anybody else. That's you know, right. If you're in a, if you're in a pissy mood, yeah, you know, you just you're gonna be more terse. You're right. like, you're, 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 you're the 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 right language is not gonna flow great. You know, it's 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 if it, yeah, I think it it comes through even in one dimension on a screen. I agree. I agree. totally does. Yeah, 
Absolutely. So, you know, watch that self-fulfilling prophecy, watch the language you're using about yourself. And always remember that you are deserving of the funding and your organization is deserving of it. And just remember to keep going back to that place if you're feeling challenged when you're not in a great frame of mind. That also applies uh, terrifically to when you're preparing for your presentation, preparing to go in. Yeah. You want to, you want to visualize yourself. I mean, when I, sometimes when I'm preparing for a training or, or a webinar or something, yeah, I'll, I'll picture myself running through the finish line first, you know, like yeah. the chest out and breaking the tape. Yeah. Breaking that, uh, that tape at the finish line and, you know, people are cheering and, you know, yes. it's, uh, I, so we're simpatico. I agree with you about visualizations, the, the value Absolutely. of a positive visualization. And I give tips in my book about things to visualize the day of your presentation, as well as before if you're able to actually get in the space where you're going to present before the meeting, give yourself like a good half hour. It's good to get into the space, get you in the right frame of mind. And I'm a big fan of rehearsal. You know, I'm I'm an I'm an old theater kid. You know, I did a lot of theater in high school and in college and rehearsal is essential. And, you know, even when I was in public media and I was on the air, you know, pitching for dollars, as they would say, trying to get new members, I would rehearse in my car on the way uh, to doing a membership pitch and it works. So don't be afraid to rehearse. So you did those, uh, the on-air drives? I did. Yes. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. That's a, that's a real, that's a real art. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta keep people, you gotta keep, keep motion, keep forward motion. Sometimes the calls are not coming in. You know, yeah. you got, I don't know if were you doing, did you ever do the live? Like we can hear the, we can hear the ringing in the background. Oh, live pledge. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Those, are, know, those are tough when the calls are not coming. <laughs> I tell you, I've got to give. That's a real art. Is due. I worked for a gentleman who just retired out of public media a few years ago. His name was Kent Geist. Uh, he was a senior vice president of uh, public media here in, in the Cleveland area. He was a master of the membership pitch. And I learned so much from him. He was definitely a mentor for me in public media. And I mean, it was an artwork, but the best part about it was he really cared. He really cared that the right audiences are getting access to this community resource in, in public media. And it just really translated. So uh, that's, that's, the, that's the person who really got me through and really got me kind of through osmosis, picking up on you know the right things to say at the right times. When you can speak from the heart. Yeah. You know, and, and channel that, but you know, then you gotta keep it going for 15, 20 minutes at a time. I mean, that, I'm, not, yes. I'm not minimizing it, but you know, but when you can speak, because you have a genuine emotional connection to the work, a passion for the work, when you can speak from your heart, that 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 goes a long way. It's so important because, and you'll find a lot of people that work in public media are fans of public media. Mm. You know, um, it's that's a big deal. We we know the content we listen, we watch every day, so that definitely helps. And again, going back to what I said earlier, people remember how you make them feel. So we always go back to that um, when we are in a, a pledge period and we know how to make people feel because we're also listeners and viewers ourselves and we know the importance of the content. What about uh, what about the, the, the second me and me, me, mo? Yeah. So the, the second me is, is messaging. And 
Um, got a lot of good stuff in there about messaging, but probably mm -hmm. the one that I'm spending a lot of time on and that has a lot of effort, um, um, a lot of questions I'm getting about is the power of brevity. I think if there's one area that some fundraisers, whether it be written in proposals, presentations, or just in one-on-one -on -one conversations, bit too long-winded. You're giving away way too much information up front. When you're just starting to want to court a corporate funder, as I also talk about in the book, you know, there's, there's kind of like a dating period to get to know a potential corporate funder, right? At first, all you want in that first communication is enough of a connection that you want to get a meeting or another conversation. That's it. You're not trying to get the six-figure or seven-figure ask. You're not trying to, you know, take somebody to lunch right away. We just want to show that there's a connection between what we have to offer as a nonprofit and the types of things that corporation likes to support and what's the next thing we need to do. The next thing we need to do can be a phone call. It could be a Zoom, which is very popular now since the pandemic, or it could be an in-person meeting. And I also really highly recommend, and I really challenge my clients and my readers, try to keep your communications, especially written email communications to 150 words or less. That's probably the hardest thing for most of my clients to do, because if I go back and look at most of their emails, that they've sent to try to engage corporate decision makers that went unanswered, they're just way too long, yeah. way too long. Like they're think trying, to close, our, they're yeah. trying to close at the opening. That's exactly right. And remember, think about our world right now, a 15 second spots, a right. no more than 30. I mean, I see a 30 second ad, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, ping notifications, five second pre-rolls. We live in a world that demands and is used to brevity and communication. But at the same time, we also want to get the information we need. So I try to coach my clients, look, in, in, in being too long-winded and giving up to information, you're basically going against the tide of how we like to get information in our world right now. So it sometimes takes work in order to learn brevity. And, and I do have some real practical ways to kind of learn brevity and to practice it every day if it's something you struggle with in my book. But it is essential to be brief. And when you are making that first connection, it's just kind of three things. Who am I? How do we connect? What is it you want us to connect about? Why we connect? And what do you want next? And you should be able to do that within 150 words. And the same thing with voicemail. You know, fewer and fewer people are using the phone, um, but those that still do, be careful of those long-winded voicemails. You, you really need to come up with something very succinct, rehearse it before you make the voicemail, yeah, and uh, be confident in your voice. Interesting. Rehearse your, rehearse, well, rehearse what you might say, but then rehearse too what you're going to say if you get, if you get the voicemail. Absolutely. So, yes. Uh, that's you right. also have a lot about research. You, research. you want us to research the company. You want us to research your contact at the company. Share some of your some of your uh, research tips. Yeah. So um, it is imperative that you research not only the company but the decision maker before you start contacting them. Even with that brief message we had talked about, because there is so much competition right now that wants the same money that you do. I was actually on an interview that I remember last year, and I was talking about how the nonprofit world is, you know, 
competing for dollars. And and the interviewer said to me, nonprofits compete? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That, that, yeah. I read that. That was, I was, I'm not, I, yeah. It seemed like an uninformed uh, comment. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I, I felt that way as well. But yes, they okay. do compete whether they know it or not, because a lot yeah. of times you don't know the other funders you're competing against for dollars. But I will yeah. say where where you can really help yourself is in preparation. So besides just obviously going to the website, you need to go even further. Look at the annual reports. Look at the reports around ESG as well as DEI, diversity, equity and inclusion. What specific um, things are they funding? Are they remind us? Remind us what the uh, the ESG is. Everybody might not know the ESG. Yeah. So the ESG, and I just blanked for a moment. You tell me environmental. <laughs> I got you covered. Thank it's, you. Uh, uh, if I give you the first one, I'll bet you'll get the second two. Yeah. Environmental, uh, sustainability and governance. <laughs> social. Well, you have to say social. Yes. So social, well, environmental, sustainability, uh, social and governance. So thank you. Yeah. You you just caught me in the moment there. But what's great is back in 2020, when we were all really focused on the pandemic, Fortune 500s were hiring chiefs of DEI, chiefs of sustainability, um, chiefs of their supply chain to make sure it was sustainable, like, like crazy. And with that came different types of budgets. Like they were also given money to go out and find other folks to work with. Yeah. Um, and, and most people would attribute this to more the corporate philanthropic side, but we're seeing these new budgets that opened up. So all of that being said, that is the case for you to take some extra time and to actually work on looking at the ESG reports. And in many times the ESG reports and the DEI reports have contact information in there. And, you know, contact information is half the battle sometimes, right? So I I really implore you to go deep and look at those reports. And when you're talking to you them, you can then reference some of that work, which a lot of fundraisers, sometimes they miss that step. And then check their LinkedIn. I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. I and, and what that what, what that does if you're if you're talking about their own reports back to them, yeah, it's proving that you did the research. That's exactly right. And I love being able to use a prospect's own words. I like to call it because their own words show that you've listened. Yeah, and they resonate sure. with that. So right. being able to reference that, whether it's in written or verbal communication, is is definitely huge. So. Um, And again, looking at your contacts LinkedIn page, I find a lot more contacts now are really putting a lot more about themselves on LinkedIn in in terms of their philanthropic interests. So let's say you're looking at someone that maybe on paper, the company might not vibe with you right away, but personally, they really, you know, they're involved in philanthropy personally on another board, maybe that connects with your doing, with what you're doing. So you just never know. So really taking a holistic approach to research, looking at the ESG, the DEI, looking at LinkedIn, looking at even Facebook. I tell the story of a of a, a really hard to get uh, yeah. vice president that um, I had one of my account executives at the time get a meeting with who was known for ghosting and who was also known to seem really, really excited to want to work with you and provide funding and then just kind of went away. So the story I tell is that I actually did a little research and found that we had a mutual interest in animal rescue, like down to the breed. 
And when I was in the meeting with my account director, we ended the meeting and I said, oh, by the way, are you going to be at the, the doggy waddle? <laughs> and she looked like, what? <laughs> I didn't even know about the doggy waddle. And it, you know, I, I mentioned that I saw we were in the same Facebook group. And so I made sure to see her at the doggy waddle and um, her hounds met my hounds. And lo and behold, we got the letter of intent. So you just, you just never know. Research is imperative. It's time for Tony's take two. I'm wishing you well in the heat of the fourth quarter. Uh, from Giving Tuesday coming up in a few weeks to your weekly production goals, um, comparing last year to this year, week by week, hopefully not day by day. Uh, well, all right, you don't need me to recite for you the uh, litany of pressures in the fourth quarter. What I do want to say is I'm thinking about you. Take a deep breath. Take some time for yourself. Maybe you can't take a lot, but take some and use it wisely. You know what's best for you in the heat of the fourth quarter. You got to take care of yourself before you can take care of your business. So I'm thinking about you. I'm wishing you well. I hope you succeed. And... To do that, I'm urging you to take whatever time you can, take some time to care for yourself too. That is Tony's Take Two. We've got Buku buttloads more time for your corporate funding with Lori Zoss Kraska. You name a resource that I, I'm not familiar with. I'd never heard of Rocket Reach. Oh, Rocket Reach. Maybe it's, maybe it's ubiquitous and uh, I'm a, I don't know, I'm, I'm zombied out or something. But yeah, tell us about so, Rocket Reach. Rocket Reach is a great way for you to find email addresses. Now, I know it has a lot of different other functions, but um, I love Rocket Reach. I would say at least eight times out of 10 of the decision makers that I am researching, I will find a qualified email address in Rocket Reach. The other thing that's great about Rocket Reach, if they have an email address associated with the, the professional, but they're not confident about it, they will even list that. They have a color coding system of green, yellow, and red in terms of confidence of the email address. Now, there are free versions of Rocket Reach. I will tell you that I have a monthly subscription and I find it extremely helpful um, if you are actively engaging corporate decision makers, especially those that are very high up VP and high, uh, higher up levels um, for national Fortune 500, Fortune 1000s, Inc. 500s. It's a it's a phenomenal tool. I like it a lot. Rocketreach.com. Yeah. Um, okay. You uh, also recommend setting Google alerts. Yeah. For, so for companies, for people, for for sectors. Yeah. So that you can make your connection with the folks you're going to be talking to. Flesh that out for us. That's exactly right. So let's say you have a big meeting coming up with XYZ Corporation, or you're looking to really want to focus on someone in XYZ Corporation to start, you know, engaging for corporate support. I tell people that they could easily go to Google and, and the easiest way to do this is literally go to Google and type in setting up Google alerts. It will basically walk you through how you can choose companies, 
topics, what have you, and news about your news about your topics will automatically be emailed to you. Now, I also like to remind people, once you're done, uh, be sure you turn off your Google Alerts because you're going to get a lot of, <laughs> you know, you'll get a lot of them. But again, this is really something that you can use that's for free, totally for free, you can do on Google. And you'd be surprised, you know, you, we all know Google search engine is, is, is pretty amazing. So you're not only going to get news that's news that you would see nationally, but you're going to get some of these little pieces that might be very hyper local or or hyper industrial that a decision maker would be pretty impressed that you would know about if you were referencing it in a meeting or in an email. So yeah, Google alerts are great and easy to set up. Like I said, just go to Google and type in setting up a Google alert and uh, you'll find it right away and how to do it. You also recommend using those while you're in a, if you're in a waiting period, maybe you've sent yes. the proposal you sent your initial email, no, yeah. no more than no more than 150 words, and you're maybe waiting, or you got a reply that said, you know, we'll get back to you or something. You know, yeah. you can you can use oh here's here's some interesting industry news that you know you might you might not have seen this article or something about you know your company was highlighted here. I thought this might interest you if you didn't see it, right? You can you can build a relationship. With the person. That's exactly right. We're always. I've, I've heard that. I've heard that companies, people actually, it's actually people that work in companies. I've heard that. That's right. <laughs> yes. I've heard rumors still, to that effect. They're still around. <laughs> so we're always looking for additional touch points, reasons yeah. to go back to people during the process, right? So one of the best things that you can do is set up those Google alerts so you can send them news, maybe not only about something really interesting that's happened within their company and you want to acknowledge it, but maybe something interesting that's happened in their industry that you wanted to share because maybe they haven't seen it because they're so busy, you know, and uh, that is something that has worked really well for me as well as of my clients, because we are working with very, very busy people that get tons and tons of email. So to be able to share something regarding their industry that they might not have known about, Again, that, that gives you a lot of points and, and shows that you have an interest with them of them beyond just, you know, getting the funding, but there's a relationship you want to build. There's a, there's a certain book that you love that was uh, recommended to you when you were in college. Yes. Yes. Why don't you, uh, why don't you share the, the value of that, uh, that book influence? So if you have been in fundraising or studied persuasion or communications, it's it's very, very um, plausible that you know the name Robert Cialdini. <laughs> and the book was actually initially called The Weapons of Influence, but they, they kind of changed the title. <laughs> and now we have these six influence you know, pillars that Cialdini talks about. Now it's seven because he added one um, as as we, we got later in, into the years here. But I'm just fascinated by these persuasive techniques. And, you know, I don't want to go into each technique. Yeah, right. You got it. Right. right. Yeah. But um, if you want to, you know, search Robert Cialdini and, and the power of influence and uh, just type in influence and you'll see that he actually talks about there are things that you can do in your communication, whether it be written or spoken that can influence someone to the behaviors that you're you're hoping to achieve, but in a positive way. So, you know, some examples 
one of my favorites that I use a lot would be something called social proof. So when I worked in public media, we saw social proof a lot. So if, for instance, if we had some local private schools that got on the air or it's on some of the stations to support the programming, we started to get phone calls from other private schools who wanted to be on the air because, you know, they want to keep up with the Joneses, but also they think, well, wow, if these schools are supporting public media, maybe we should be doing that as well. So, you know, social proof is is definitely a big one and um, reciprocation. So anytime that, you know, you put yourself out there and you do something for somebody, you know, there's there's a good possibility that the person you did something for will reciprocate. And, you know, there's there's a lot of different examples of that. But even in what we just discussed with the Google alerts, you know, taking the time to send somebody an article about something going on in their industry, they may reciprocate something back, whether, you know, something about an article in your industry or reciprocate back with, oh, this is great. You know, let, let's 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 meet again to talk about this proposal. Let's talk about a proposal again. So those are just, you know, two that are top of mind with me right now, but they really are fascinating because if I think about what is kind of the backbone of why I've been successful and, and some of the people that do what I do that are successful, they go back to the work of Cialdini and that there is some psychology to this um, besides just working hard, you know, um, it is all in the positioning. Uh, and uh, I just want folks to know that uh, Cialdini is C-I-A-L-D-I-N-I. Yes, and, thank and, you and for, for saying that. Laurie, yeah. no, of course, Laurie. and as Laurie said, the, the book is uh, Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion. Yes, yes. Uh, I think we're on the mo of Mimi Mo. The yeah. motion, you the motion. You talked a lot about rehearsing, and um, well, also in in motion, you had you're sort of courting folks with with resources yeah. and ideas. And but you've you know, I think I feel like you've talked about that. You know, courting touch points. You know, touch points. And in that respect, it's very parallel to individual fundraising. That's exactly right. I yes. Mean, yeah. Well, we see something that's going to be of interest to an individual donor who we've built a relationship with. Because we know that they are uh, avid sailors, perhaps. Yeah. Lori, Lori happens to be a very avid sailor uh, and sailing instructor, too. Is, is that, did I get that? Sailing instructor, too? Or? No, you might uh, have been thinking of the rock climbing instructor that I worked with. Oh, uh, okay. I'm not yeah. a sailor. <laughs> oh, you're not a sailor. Oh, I think. No, no. Okay. I do live by a lake, though. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, thank you. That's very gracious of you to say. Thank you. It's rock climbing. <laughs> rock climbing. Maybe. Okay. I don't know where I. I don't know how I perverted rock climbing into uh, sailing, but I don't know. <laughs> so the uh, the takeaway there is make sure that you know the person's uh, interests uh, accurately. Don't don't misunderstand what they're interested in and send them an article about sailing when it's actually <laughs> uh, it's actually uh, they worked with a rock climber and not even that they're rock climbers themselves. So That's make right. sure you make sure you know what the hell you're doing. When you're keeping, <laughs> keeping in touch with people, it, you know, Tony, important. that's half the battle in life, right? Yeah. <laughs> know what the hell you're doing. Yeah. Right. But, you know, <laughs> regrettably, you're suffering a lackluster host. No, uh, it's all good. Somehow uh, perverted rock climbing into sailing. I don't know. Okay. Sports. You seem to be very sports oriented. I do. I'm a big sports fan. Yeah. Worked for sports. Yeah. We don't have, uh, we don't have that in common. See, maybe that's why I got messed up because we, <laughs> I got nervous when I, 
I saw X's and O's on your book cover and I thought yes. oh, she's going to make sports analogies and I, the X's and O's of course are for baseball. So I'm going to get all confused and <laughs> you know, I don't know whether it's hockey or it's football or it's, it's tennis or, you know, it's, I got nervous. I think that's what made me nervous was the sports. I was afraid, but you didn't bring up sports. I did. So. No. Uh, so, you know, really the anyway. introduction of my book talks about, um, when I was in college and I yes, worked you had a professional sports organization. Yes. Yes. Right. And um, it kind of sets up how I come up with the boardroom playbook, which is the title of my book. And I do have a few sports references, but it's nothing. If, if you're not a sports fan, you'll be able to understand them. So, and, and also, I just also like to talk about athletes in general. They do a lot of the things that I'm actually talking about in terms of mental preparation. You know, they do visualization, um, they practice, they rehearse, um, and they don't just rehearse their craft of being an athlete, but they're working with the PR people. They're working with the operations people. It's, it's an overall, you know, it's a lot of work. And I try to tell people in the boardroom playbook that Corporate support is a lot of work. There's no hacks to it. And I, and I know there's a lot of popularity in saying, oh, watch my webinar for the four hacks to do this. And what I'm saying is if you're doing this right, there is there are no hacks. If you're doing it right and developing the relationship, it takes time. But you're developing relationships that are long term and you're developing a craft that will stay with you for years, no matter what happens with technology. Brilliant. Thank you for uh, helping me recover from my sports. Uh, yeah, no, the, the book is. Hey, you helped not me with ESG. I can't believe I just uh, got okay. the ESG. All right, that's true. I did. Um, yeah, no, I don't. Uh, Longtime listeners will know that I don't know. I don't know much about sports. My, the, <laughs> okay. my, my favorite aspect of golf is that it's a nice, quiet sport. I appreciate that. I appreciate the quietness of golf. Uh, so a bad shot. <laughs> well, unless somebody may, yeah, then they'll be screaming and uh, yes. they'll be throwing of throwing of devices. <laughs> That's right. So paddles will get thrown. So, right. um, yeah, the, the book is not based on sports. I didn't want to give folks no. the wrong impression. You, no. I understood the book perfectly. So Good. I'm glad. Leave it at leave it at that. Okay. So, so I guess we covered the Mimi Mo, the motion motion. You talk about you know courting folks, knowing what the hell you're doing. Yes. Um, Rehearsing is part yes. of your motion and how important that is. Um, but then you have last minute tips, like 48 hour tips. And then, and then right before and dressing and comfort items, you know, talk about, talk about some of your last minute tips right before the moment. I do. So this kind of goes back to the athletes, you know, athletes have routines you know, there are certain things, some of them will eat something before a game, some of them won't, you know, everybody has a specific routine. So I provide tips of myself and other people I've worked with of successful routines before you go into a big presentation. And I take you from, like you said, a couple of days before to, you know, the day of, but um, in general, you want to find the things that work for you that make you feel comfortable and confident. So these are little things like make sure you, you know, you wear your favorite suit that day or, you know, whatever your, your favorite clothing is when you do a presentation, make sure your technology works, you know, that, that, that's a big thing too. Um, make sure that if you're doing paper handouts, make sure you've got all those handouts prepared and, and do you make sure you have enough, make sure you know the number of people in the room, 
who's going to be in the room, you know, find out who's going to, who's definitely going to be in the room. I also have items that I suggest you bring with you to any in-person presentation, at least two bottles of water, because you never know when you're going to jump into a dry mouth situation that has happened to me. Thankfully, I had plenty of water with me. Um, also mints and cough drops. I've also been in situations where I start to have this coughing fit. That's never good. So you want to have a cough drop with you. You know, these are very, very practical tips. Um, and then also making sure beforehand, if you're presenting with somebody else, because a lot of times you're, you know, you're presenting with other people, make sure you know your roles. So when you're doing that rehearsal before your presentation, don't just go into rehearsal and say, okay, Bob, you're going to do this and I'm going to do this and rehearsal's over. No, you actually want to go through the presentation. You actually want to have people there in the room from your office. They can sit in and watch, provide feedback. I find when you do that, I know some people are, are cringy about it, but it really helps. It gets the rust off, especially if you haven't done a presentation in a while. And it just it just shows that you know what you're doing. And again, taking it back to athletes, they practice. <laughs> they practice before, you know, if it's football every Sunday, you know. So those are just a few of the tips. There's a ton of them in the book. But, you know, really getting to know yourself in terms of making you comfortable in that room. Probably one of the most unique tips I give, though, is having some sort of comfort item with you. Something that if you look at just kind of makes you feel good. I talk about my one former account executive I worked with who had a water bottle with pictures of her kids on it, which I thought was neat. It's also a good conversation starter. And I had somebody else. I, I, I was managing a gentleman that was kind of in a slump, per se, um, was doing a lot of activity, but just the, the money wasn't coming in. And he decided to bring with him um, a, a watch that his father used to wear. And his father was a former VP of sales and very successful. And lo and behold, he brought that in with him. And from what I understand, he still brings it with him to, to large pitches. And he'll say, oh, I'm just keeping track of the time when in actuality, it just gives him a sense of comfort and calm. Hmm. So those are just a, just a few tips. And uh, I do emphasize the water a lot, though, because sometimes if you're in a situation where you forget something, and I should have done this earlier with ESG, I could have just taken a sip of my water. And a lot of times that shot of H2O will just bring you back to where you need to be. So those are just a, a few tips as well for once you're in that moment. Excellent. All right. Thank That's you. Mimi. Well, you, you, you could do Mimi Momo, too, because you have mental message, motion, and moment. Yeah. So in the book, I talk about Mimi Mo gets you to the moment. And to your point earlier, I, you know, I try to make it easy off the tongue, the Mimi Mo. If you right, had too right. many other M's. Yes, I was right. Yeah, we don't want to make convoluted. it. Mimi, Mimi, <laughs> Mimi, Mo, Mo, you know, people right. are going to say, well, this is, this is, I'm talking to an infant now. Right. <laughs> she's, stu she's stuttering. She doesn't, even know. She, she doesn't even know her own business. So, okay. <laughs> Mimi Mo, one, two, three, in and out. Yeah. Okay. Um, anything else that, uh, you know, I've asked you a bunch of things, anything that yeah. we haven't, anything we haven't talked about that you, you want to leave uh, folks with? Yeah. So um, a chapter I get asked about a lot too, is called pumpkin spice proposals. And um, I thought I would just mention about that. Uh, yeah. A pumpkin spice proposal to me is a proposal that just has too much unnecessary stuff in it. And, you know, sometimes you just need the coffee. 
You don't need the pumpkin spice, right? So I challenge people, look at your proposals. You know, are, is there, the feedback I get a lot from corporate decision makers, is there too much clip art in it? Are you using their logo over and over? You know, I have one gentleman I worked with that's with a Fortune 500. He said, I don't need, I know what my logo is. I know what my company does. You don't have to put the about us in there. I, I get it. Just tell me what it is you want and why us. Um, I think good proposals are no more than five pages. Um, use a good size font. I think in the book I reference like 11 or 12 point font, Arial, Times, New Roman, Calibri as possible. Don't get too creative. And I know this is tough for people because there's a lot of seminars out there about proposal templates and, you know, there's a lot of training around it. I just like to keep it simple. And that seems to resonate, you know, with a lot of the Fortune 500s that I've worked with. So I, I would like to leave people with take a look at your proposals. And is there too much pumpkin spice and just not enough coffee? <laughs> Mimi Momo, Periwinkle Zombies. Pumpkin spice proposals. Yeah. It's all, uh, it's all in the book. The book is right. uh, the boardroom playbook. You'll find it at thegrowthowl.com, where you'll also find Lori Zas Kraska. Thank you. And on Amazon. It's on Amazon too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Amazon. And uh, the, the, there's a little site called Amazon. And then you could go to thegrowthowl.com right. if, if you wanted to go there. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Lori. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Next week, thought leadership and content strategy. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you. Find it at TonyMartinetti.com. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great.